How can we better equip ourselves to take on the new day, our goals, and the world? How do we stoke our inspiration? By dropping in, we'll hear from credible experts on ways to thrive in this environment. As persons trying to cope, as workers learning to pivot in our careers, and as those curious about life, wellness, family, healing, and humor, we'll learn by sharing stories. Like the watering hole, dropping in is a communal place. People who've had the courage to tell their stories offer the nuggets they've gathered along the way. They bring us the spark to confront what matters. Everybody everywhere is on a hero's journey of trying to survive and do well. Stories from these diverse sources pave the way, even if the paths are new or unknown. Drop in with us to discover the roots and where we go from here. And now, here's our host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. It's Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish High Holidays, which means that families will gather for a Seder this evening. That means that the family dynamics will be in full force and effect. And ultimately, it means we'll need today's guest, Dr. Jody Eckleberry Hunt. She um, has a particular quote that I think is applicable, the ability to laugh at ourselves and move on to the next event in the feral cat rodeo of family life, that's a motherfucking lifesaver. So note for today, we're going to swear a lot. The um, name of Jody Eckleberry's, uh, Jody Eckleberry hunts her email is Jekyllberry. Jody Eckleberry Hunt's book is Move On, Motherfucker. Um, it's, its basis is in self-talk and the messages we give ourselves. But I love the website slogan, which is Own Your Own Shit Show. Welcome, Jody Eckleberry Hunt. Thank you. It's great to be here. Isn't it fun to be swearing all the time, too? It's kind of a big release. <laughs> Well, it absolutely is an attention getter, but um, what I hope to share with you today is if you swear all the time, it takes away the punch of it. So it is, it's savoring the swearing, I guess. Well, we're going to savor the swearing. I think that's a good motto for the show. Jody Eckleberry Hunt is a board certified health psychologist who swears her way to sanity using cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness, humor, positive psychology, and profanity. With a PhD in counseling uh, psychology, Jody has more than 25 years of professional experience helping others find meaning in a crazy world. As we said, uh, Jody Eckleberry Hunt is the website and the book is called Move on, Move on Motherfucker. I do think you've invited um, you've invited profanity into the play, and it is a tension reliever. And as you say, let's not tip the scales and go into tension maker. Um, I wondered if you'd uh, sort of comment on, you know, in preparing, I was thinking to myself, you know, there are times when you say, I don't know whether to laugh or cry, you know, tears and laughter, there's two sides of the same coin. And the whole idea of poking fun at things, as well as using profanity, it takes away the sacrosanct. Um, It takes away the seriousness of it. And how does that allow people to see their problems and maybe find solutions to them? Well, I think it, you know, what's interesting is that um, we are so well able to give our friends permission to mess up and screw up and we tell them it's okay and um, there's nothing wrong with that and we encourage them and we 
uh, we sit with them with their pain and try to help them feel better, but we somehow don't extend that same courtesy to ourselves. And what I, the, the whole philosophy is really about learning to be that kind of friend to yourself. And years ago, when I was in graduate school, one of my professors gave me this essay called The Courage to Be Imperfect. And it's always stuck with me that giving oneself permission to screw up because you're going to. So it's, it's merely stating the obvious. Um, but I, I ask my question, myself this question and I ask other, so other people to ask themselves this question and it is, who the hell do you think you are that you get to be the only one who's perfect in a world where the rest of us are screwing up left and right? Mm-hmm. Who the hell do you think you are? And so I guess, I, I guess that's part of the underlying philosophy is not laughing at yourself um, as, as a means to belittle yourself, but saying, yeah, we're all sort of clowns out there together. And that just is what it is. Well, the absurdist, like, you know, the existentialist, for example, you know, so Jean-Paul Sartre, you know, laughter was part of their uh, their whole scheme. You just, there's nothing left to do but laugh at life, right? Because we have so little control, especially right now. And I think that, you know, you just raised such an essential point, Jody. We're so forgiving of others and we're so uncompassionate with ourselves. And maybe the beginning of Own Your Own Shit Show is to say, you know what, it's all right. I'm just as flawed as everyone else. You say in your bio that your mother always told you you were different. I wondered if this granted you a kind of permission to be different, to think differently. And how so? Well, you know, I, I didn't think about that. Um, I, 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 it's interesting that you point that out. I think, um, I, I don't know... The older I get, unfortunately, um, I, I feel like I started off as more of a, a nature person. And the older I get, the more weight I think I give to the genetics and wiring. And um, I think my it was more, the influence was more, um, so I think I'm wired to also just go my own way a little bit. But my mom was a great role model in that I think she was pretty comfortable doing her own thing. Uh, so while maybe she was saying things to me, she was also embracing that she kind of did her own thing too. And she, I think she was the first one, at least in my life, who, who owned that shit show. Mm-hmm. Was she a pioneer of sorts in her profession or in what way was she going doing her own thing? I just don't think that she put a lot of stock in what other people thought. Um, That's great. I just think that that was a role modeled behavior that there are many, 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 many more important things than what other people think of you. And that is a prison in and of itself. Absolutely. And do you think that, again, the arc of um, getting older, and I, I really do think it is wiser if you can say it doesn't matter what other people think. Um, it is also chronological, right? It You start out thinking, oh, my God, and Um, you know, I must do this, I must do that, and I can't have this person thinking this. But, you know, as you go on, you kind of, you you forget a lot. (laughs) You forget to think about those things. And um, it's kind of great. It's kind of liberating. Um, 
You also, I mean, I, I, th- I thought a lot about laughter, and there's a lot in this book um, that is hysterically funny. Um, I think the way you frame things, um, you know, just being out on the sea of, you know, in, in unemployment and without an oar, the, <laughs> the sea of shit without an oar. I mean, so many really relatable things, um, especially now during COVID where we're all rather helpless. Um, but even Carl Jung uh, used a sense of humor, and he he talked about, um, you know, it, there was this Buddha, this Buddha quote. Of course, Buddha is the big sacrosanct, right? But honestly, you see a lot of laughing Buddhas, and there's this quote that a monk once asked the master, the master Buddha, or the master, um, you know, Dalai Lama, has a dog a Buddha nature too? Whereupon the master replied, "Wolf." <laughs> So, I mean, there was no, there's no, um, you know, there's no BSing about it. And um, I I, I wondered if you you have just started to share with your clients and with us through your book, things that have worked for you in your life. Absolutely. And as I start the book, people often ask me, uh, how did you come up with this? And it really was my own personal experience. I had taken a, a new job, and when I got there, it I quickly realized it, it was a very toxic work environment. And I luckily, I had a colleague who had the same uh, experience, and we were getting together on a regular basis, ruminating. But we, we decided uh, for fun, we were cussing. We were coming up with new uh, crazy ways to describe the experience and we were, we were cussing because we would end up laughing. And uh, I had been practicing saying to myself, okay, you need to let this go. You need to stop enough. And I was exercising and I was doing all those things, but every day I just felt so dreadful. And um, I just wasn't, and those are all the things I teach people who come to see me in the office, but they weren't quite working. And so this colleague and I were again reviewing the same stuff. And I looked at him and I just blurted out, you need to move on, motherfucker. And we both paused in that moment and realized that the depth of that statement. And indeed, we did need to move on, but we were choosing to play the motherfucker in that scenario. It was sort of, it was funny, but it was calling ourselves out as the one playing this role. We had a choice. And so that is where it took off. And then, this is all sort of backward, I decided to experiment with some of that um, in my office with folks who came to see me in terms of looking at the profanity and talking back to yourself and calling yourself out. And people liked it. Then I went to the research and I found that there was actual research to suggest that um, if you, for example, you're walking and you stub your toe and you yell, shit, actually you have lower pain level report than people who maybe just kind of gritted their teeth and held it in. So if you put all of these things together, that's the move on motherfucker or what we call month, um, but the it incorporates all sorts of strategies that have been uh, used in psychology that are research-based, but it's kind of putting them together in a new way that I think is very down-to-earth and relatable. It's not as heady 
as, as, as traditionally presented. It makes it accessible to people who thought maybe that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to use big words, right? You can you can talk about being what you were saying, obsessive and ruminating about the pain you were in in this job and calling it out in newfound swear words. But, you know, really, at the end of the day, you've you realized you you've chose to stay there um, in that space. And, um, you know, there is a lot of there is a lot of evidence that humor can counteract depression and help shift our perspective from a focus on doom and gloom to see the sunnier side of a situation. Um, There's a good belly laugh can create some psychological distance. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we can see ourselves as being comedic, which Lord knows we are, um, you know, trying to do things all the time with, you know, the myth of Sisyphus, like pushing a rock up a, a hill half the time. Um, I, I think it's really quite refreshing. I think what you've stumbled onto um, and that you've you've made logic out of it, I think it's really, really helpful. Jung did say that humor can work in serious situations. Um, and he said that laughter can reduce anxiety, and increased psychological resilience. He actually um, practiced a, um, a, a habit of not really taking on clients if they didn't have a sense of humor because he felt it was really a gateway to, you know, he said, that, you know, if the patient has a sense of humor, um, they're much easier to treat. They're much easier to see yeah. themselves as if from the outside. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and to be clear, I have had, and, and I, I should probably put this disclaimer out there right now, this method is not, if somebody came to me and had a death in the family, I wouldn't use this technique with them. If they were talking about abuse that they had experienced or trauma, I wouldn't use that technique with them. So it, it's not, and, and certainly not for the treatment of serious mental illness, um, so to be clear, this is for everyday stress and, and the daily problems that we have. But I have had people who had worked through past trauma and in, 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 a, in a different way, but then were able to apply some of the techniques and laugh at like the ludicrousness of some of the things that parents had done, things that before were painful uh, but they had worked through that, and then just being able to distance and laugh and say, "Oh my gosh, what kind of a parent does that?" And of course, I'm not talking about hitting or, but just, just the way that they had behaved, I guess. Mm-hmm. The and goofy things that we say when we don't, when we're stressed out, and we can't think of anything else to say. Um, you know, it, yeah. it really. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's great because you know the opposite side of tragedy is comedy, and. Yes, there is a place to pause and reflect and be respectful of um, very intimate forms of trauma. But at the same time, if you do telescope out, it's amazing the way you can find a way to frame it that helps you. Um, and laughter is the best medicine. That's that's just such an old uh, an old adage. And I think, you know, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes. But when we come back, we're going to start looking at, you know, how to upend the sacred cows. Because in tragic comedy, you, when you look at, you know, what's tragic, and always it's it's me that's tragic, right? I've all these terrible things that have happened to me. But you know, what if you looked at yourself as you say as a clown? 
Jody Eckleberry Hunt, you're such a delight to talk with. I wondered um, when we come back from our break, whether you'd speak more on how MOMF, the move on motherfucker, is an approach to living um, that helps us take action rather than ruminate and just think about and hopefully get the inspiration for. I think it's very action-based, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah, because... Yeah, absolutely. Even it's getting and asking yourself the question, what can I control in this scenario? Right. And to take small steps so that the emotional change happens from the action rather than thinking that you're going to be inspired to make that change, whether it's, you know, quitting smoking or losing weight or, you know, getting yourself disciplined about your work. Um, Do that first, right? And then see how it feels is kind of, I think, what you're saying. Um, this this idea of take the action first, and that's about move on, motherfucker. Thank goodness we have Jody Eckleberry Hunt here to to break this down for us. I just think the book is great. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, we are going to take a commercial break, but um, when we come back, we'll talk about the subject of patience and with COVID nineteen and asking ourselves, will mm-hmm. this ever end? Jody, you're gonna. Help us walk through the idea of cultivating patience, right? It's like a muscle, but boy, is that muscle flabby sometimes. Uh, Don't go away. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I'm so glad you're here to help us with that today on our exercises. So don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Jody Eckleberry Hunt, author of a very funny and profound new book called Move On, Motherfucker. And that's exactly what you heard. Um, And it's all about owning your own shit show, which I have to say is a really refreshing thing in this environment where there's so much seriousness and with good reason, with very good reason at the serious um, issues that we face. But this approach, Jody, I think, you know, you are um, enabling us to 
work for ourselves, work on our own behalf, cultivating patience, um, which we talked about in terms of COVID-19 and wondering where this is all going to end and how do we cope and how do we live and keep ourselves busy and keep ourselves from going insane. Um, What kinds of self-talk, what kinds of messages can help us to develop patience? Because you point to the ones that I think are the most detrimental, which I certainly related to, which are, uh, for example, I must always be in control. I'm not worthy unless I'm doing for others or I'm not lovable. Um, and, and I wondered, you know, when we're really trying to strengthen ourselves, what kinds of messages can we give ourselves that counteract some of those? I am a huge believer in having a toolbox. I never, I tell people who come to see me, I never know which particular techniques are going to really click with you, uh, which ones aren't. But uh, patients, as you mentioned earlier, it's probably the number one issue with anybody. We want, we want to feel better. We want to feel better now. But I tell people that feeling better is really very similar to thinking about I want to get in shape. Let's say that you want to build muscle. Well, you've got to go. You have to have a schedule. You've got to go to the gym. You have to have a routine. And if you quit going to the gym, you're going to backslide. So I also have people who do some things, feel better, and then they go back to the way that they used to be. And so what I'm going to suggest is that you turn the corner and start to think about this is a new way of living life. It's not like a one and done or I do it and I'm all better. And I think that the, again, uh, going back to what I said earlier, the own your shit show, it's giving yourself permission to have a shit show. We all have one. And so that first message of paying attention to yourself is I'm the only one who has this shit show. And it feels very isolated. It feels very stigmatizing. But saying saying out loud, yeah, I have a shit show. Everybody has a shit show. And in fact, right now, the world is quite a shit show. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's asking again the question I said earlier is what can I control in this situation? And it may be that the end answer is I can control my reaction. And that is complex. It may be, for some people, I I recommend, I'm not a big flowery person. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, my oldest son said to me, uh, within the last couple of years, um, where's dad? I, I need to... I need to tell dad something. And I said, what do you want to tell him? Tell me. He said, well, I'd like to tell you, but you're just not that sensitive. (laughs) And I started laughing. Um, I have to talk to a guy. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm very much, um, I'm action person. Like, what can we do about this? So I, with regard to affirmations, uh, I'm not, I, I personally don't like the ones that, or just, you are strong, you are great. I like to spice it up. I like uh, I like to throw in a, a little bit of profanity, like what I put on my social media today, and I pull everything, or excuse me, everything, most everything. I go to Pinterest, which is a great site where I send people for affirmations, and I say, pick one for the day, and make that your mantra for the day, and make it fresh. But the one I put on social media today, uh, something to the effect of reminding yourself that 
you are not available to be treated like shit today. And again, it's boundaries. And of course, we all know this stuff, but to be reminded of it is the important thing because we forget, we get busy. So the catching the negative self-talk, you can control that. You can get busy. And that's, I think, been the super big challenge with this COVID stuff is that one of the great pick-me-ups is going to be around a friend and people have um, lost that, as I don't think the video provides the same level of connection. And so whatever it is that you can do to jolt yourself off of the negative thought, uh, being with friends, distracting yourself, but just sitting there, that's choosing to stay in that, in that what I call emotional quicksand or just, uh, it's just a horrible place where you feel like you're drowning. Um, but in the end, it, things will change eventually. But in the meantime, what are we going to do with now? Because that's all we have. We're not guaranteed a tomorrow. So do we really want to spend our now beating ourselves up and feeling sorry for ourselves, um, even in situations where we we don't we have valid reasons to feel sorry for ourselves, but what can we do about it to to feel better? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because I think what you're talking about too is a lot of maintenance. Um, the reason where we backslide and need to look at the affirmations on Pinterest uh, is that, you know, we you're right, we do know all of this stuff, but we get caught up. And the other, I think, fallacy is we think we should always be feeling good. We think that feeling good is, you know, the destination that should be applicable at all times. Well, if you have to go to the gym and do your workout, nobody can do it for you. You're not going to feel good that whole time. Going to feel good after, you know, after you wipe the sweat off and the endorphins are kicking in. Or, you know, I think there's um, just a lot of um, struggle that's inherent that is also about accepting not feeling good all the time. You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to get a little messy. And I think, you know, I'm wondering about, you know, when you're talking about the human contact and the chemistry, the odd chemistry that there is between people in person and, yeah, how do we substitute that? It's really interesting. Um, Friends of mine in California who also can't go outside because of the smoke, Mm from the wildfires, you know, three weeks and running to date where, you know, my friend can't, she can't go out for a walk or go out for a hike. So it's not only the isolation of COVID, there's parts of this country, big swaths of this country that people can't go outside. So, you know, without getting into the whys and wherefores, people are getting really creative about, yeah, how they respond to that. You know, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm watching travel logs. I'm watching people, I'm watching dramas. I'm watching people be together um, because we've had to do a lot of vicarious, uh, take a lot of vicarious action if we can't do the thing ourselves. I would imagine people are calling you right and left during this time uh, as to how, to how to cope and to um, keep the relationships that they do have going. You talk a lot about non-binary um, practices that, you know, if you think you're in a lousy relationship, 
you know, there's the stay or go. Those are the popular choices. But you're talking actually about um, letting go of something in order to make the relationship work. Literally, mom, move on, motherfucker, the motherfucker that's within us. Um, because you, because otherwise, you're just stabbing yourself over and over with the second arrow. Can you talk to us about the second arrow and what that's like? Yes. Uh, I came across that uh, in John Kabat-Zinn's writing. Um, just a, he's a fabulous writer about mindfulness and particular meditation. But um, the second arrow is, uh, let's say that it's, it's a Buddhist story. So let's say that I'm walking in the woods, enjoying a, a beautiful day, and I get shot by an arrow. And it's horrible. It hurts. Like, this is tragic. How could this happen? Who did this? Um, and you're injured. So that's the first injury, that arrow. The second arrow, however, is when we take this theoretical uh, or metaphorical second arrow and start stabbing ourselves. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do now? This is so terrible. This is awful. And what if I get an infection? What if I lose use of my body? What if I can't work? And what am I going to do now? And it is the whole um, sort of secondary injury that we self-inflict with the what ifs and the shoulds and the have tos. And the first injury was bad enough. Like you were talking about the wildfires in California, and that's horrible. And nobody, I would never say to somebody, move on from that. So there are certain, there are tragedies that you're going to feel bad about, uh, which goes to your point. We will experience pain in this life. However, the question about what we do with that pain is most important. If we allow the pain to create a prison in our mind and we aren't able to move on from that. That is a whole other tragedy that we um, can part, we, we maybe have participated in with that second arrow versus saying, okay, this is, this was horrible, but what am I going to do with it? How am I going to let it shape me? How can I transcend it? And let me also add that, that goes to the writing of Viktor Frankl, who I just love his book, Man's Search mm-hmm. for Meaning, yes. um, being in the concentration camp. And that thought of, uh, you know, and, and, and one of the reasons I really like that story to share with people is that few of us can say we've had it that bad, like to have been in a concentration camp and see people dying and, and just horrific circumstances. But he was saying that he would notice people still giving away their last piece of bread. And what he took from that was reminding oneself that you can't take over my mind. You can take everything away from me, but I alone control my mind and I will not let you make me into uh, this horrible person or uh, to be a victim or what have you. So that was a long answer to your question, but that that is what sense I make of the second arrow. 
Yeah, I think it sounds great. I mean, I think it's a really good metaphor. And you're not a victim until you are taking that last piece of bread, until you're becoming that ruthless person that takes something from someone else because you're in the survival mode in the concentration camp. And yeah, I mean, I think there the resilience, um, you know, is such a remarkable feat. But I also think you touched on something that, um, you know, our internal dialogue can get pretty hysterical. Um, You know, uh, I think I left the candle burning. What if I left the candle burning? The house is going to burn down. The fire company is going to come. I don't know what the code is. I don't know. You know, it's, it's just not, you know, some things are containable. And if we could, you know, I didn't, I left, I left the garage door open. The bike is going to be stolen. Probably the tools are going to be stolen. Probably the chainsaw is going to be stolen. And how am I going to cut the branches? And, you know, I'm going to be in this overwhelming and a tree is going to fall on my house. You know, it's, it's really, um, if you did take a look at it and externalize it, you know, if we drew a diagram of ourselves with our conversation bubbles, it's pretty damn funny. I mean, because mm-hmm. none of that has even happened yet. It's, you know, it's that anticipation of, uh, and there is something that we can move on from, not the, not the event itself, but yeah, the, what, what we're doing with it. Um, I was wondering what okay. kind of, you, you, you talk about personality models in the book, um, ocean is one, uh, which is openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And neuroticism is sort of what we're talking about here. Uh, is that your your working model, or are there others? And you know, d- is that also something that you tailor to each person, or um, do you have a frame of reference? I, I think I put a lot of things together in general when I talk to people who come into my office. I say that half your personality is genetic. Uh, If you're a worrier, if you're a perfectionist, if you're um, outgoing or not, or a pessimist or an optimist, that part is genetic. The other half is environmental. So if you're loved, if you're given unconditional love from your parents, if you're abused, if you're bullied... Uh, let's say that you had great success in school or with sports and you develop a sense of efficacy. So those things in the first 18 years of life, the genetics and the uh, experiences in life form your personality. And so what I do tell people, it can be helpful to reflect just to see how that how you got to the place where you are. But even if, for example, a person is a pessimist, that doesn't mean that a person is doomed to always see the glass half full. It just means that person has to work a little bit harder to catch oneself going there. And that is when, again, I encourage the self-talk is, oh, no, not today. Um, and again, throwing in there, uh, n- not today, motherfucker, you stop now. Um, so I, it's less, I think I less focus less on a particular model than just understanding how uh, oneself and maybe some of the influences that got a person there. And even though this is, this is sort of the, I guess, the tragedy in, in some regards, if you were exposed to consistent messages of abuse when you were a child, 
even if you came to see me or somebody else as an adult and recognized that was wrong, it, it, it was wrong, not true, um, it, it was a horrible message, it's very hard to shake that because it's like it got imprinted on us emotionally. And so, again, it's, it's not that you're going to be able to shut that off. It's just catching it in the moment. So I think, mm-hmm. again, more so than a, a particular model, it's just really understanding who we are and some of those influences so that we can control our reactions. Right. Jody. it's a lot like training a puppy. If you can catch them in the middle of <laughs> piddling on your living room floor, it's better than if you do after. Um, when we come back, we're going to take a quick commercial break here, but we're going to find out how some of these so-called negative traits like pessimism or shame or guilt can actually have two sides and can be made to work for us. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Jody Eckleberry Hunt. She's the author of a funny and serious, both at the same time, book called Move On Motherfucker. Uh, and that Motherfucker, by the way, is not the other guy. <laughs> it's the one that we keep <laughs> torturing ourselves with that's inside of us. And, you know, it can be just an inner critic, somebody that says to us, oh, that's not good enough. You'll never be good enough. And we talked a little bit before the break. Um, on a serious note, I did tremendously enjoy this book, and it shook up my world in a very positive way, I think. You touched on um, conditions of worth, Jody, uh, messages that we receive uh, when we're kids um, from our parents, our well-intentioned, loving parents who simply want us to do well in school, but somehow manage to broadcast the message, if you don't do well in school, I'm not going to love you as much. Um, it's such a balancing act uh, and the things that, you know, we end up judging ourselves for our performance and somehow all our life becomes a performance, you know, riding a bicycle. It's, it's just for enjoyment, you know, um, but these conditions of worth come back to haunt us sometimes. Uh, and I, uh, the, not seeing 
our fault lines as black and white, uh, I think is something really vital that this, this book brings out. If you have shame or guilt, if you are a pessimist, if you're prone to negative thinking, it's not the end of the world. Um, all is not lost because there's ways that you can use those feelings of nervousness, worry, pessimism. Um, in some cases, pessimists become the most well-prepared people because they're always looking at the possible, you know, atrocious outcome that could happen if they're not prepared. Uh, I wondered about, you know, being able to transfer, not only we have a negative message, but then we have a judgment about it, about it being a negative message. Like, it's bad that I feel shame um, because I was in an orphanage when I was, you know, a toddler. No, if you could at least take off one layer of that, right, Jody, is what you're saying. You can view these things in a non-binary way. How do you encourage people to do that? Well, and, and let, me, let me use myself as an example. Um, I have generalized anxiety disorder, undoubtedly. And no matter, because I, it is a genetic disorder, um, generalized no anxiety disorder. Generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I yeah, just wanted to yeah, get clear so on. The, yeah. Okay. So the excessive worry, feeling guilty all the time. And so sometimes, um, you know, people feel guilty and then they try to trace it back and say, well, I feel guilty. I must have done something wrong. And they get caught up in that. But if it is what it is, if I can say, yeah, I have generalized anxiety disorder, it is what it is, You and, and you get rid of the judgment, this is terrible, this is awful, I describe anxiety as like this secret superpower. I can, I, I call it very sensitive brain. I can pick up, I can walk into a room, and I know when there's tension immediately, and so it all becomes harnessing. In the end, we all are who we are at that time. So you can't. You can look back and say, "I wish things would have been different." And of course, um, we all have that. But if things are how they are now, how can you capitalize on the experience that you've had and how you're programmed to use it for you? So again using anxiety as a superpower or now shame's shame is a bad one. Shame is, is feeling like you are the mistake. And, but, but let's say that I've done something that I knew was ethically wrong and I was feeling ashamed or I was feeling incredibly guilty. That feeling is there to tell me something. It, it, it tells me what I, not what, but it tells me that I need to do something to repair whatever it, it is that I have done that needs to be repaired. And so I guess it is really learning uh, part of this process of moving on. And by the way, so you move on after you've really sort of explored something and, some, and, we, and becoming really good at it. So sometimes like you can say, I just need to move on. But then other times it's like, okay, what is this about? And becoming an expert on your own feelings based on how you've been programmed so that you know what to do about it. What does it all mean? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I like the um, chapter heading change is fucking hard. Uh, And I think that, you know, uh, starting with the obvious change can be a ball buster. This is a quote from you. And thank goodness that you acknowledge this. Um, It's Everest. Sometimes it's an avalanche on Everest. Uh, It's also a given in this life. Change will happen to us. Uh, I'm quoting from Jody Eckleberry Hunt from this book. The question is, how can we choose positive change and how can we make it stick? So I, I think that, you know, you're talking about uh, and you cite um, James Poshaska, uh, those five stages, pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. Um, and, and, you know, when you're, so when you're talking about moving on, you're not talking about just saying, um, let it go or some totally impossible thing. We can't let it go. I'm infuriated right now. You know, <laughs> I've got to find out mm-hmm. why am I, um, you know, this person did this and and I'm just so upset about it. And, you know, I can't just these let it go people. You just want to, I'm sorry, slap them because uh, you can't let it go. You've got to explore it and, you know, take this kind of um, honest approach to saying, well, am I being a motherfucker to myself? Uh, or am I keeping myself trapped in this anger? I thought one of the really fascinating points in the book, uh, which I vastly enjoyed, is the fact that you don't use the word forgiveness. You have an alternative expression um, for working through uh, unforgivable, um, you know, anger, anger that arises for something that a person deems as the person has done something that's unforgivable. But we got to live with ourselves. And that means not being a raging bull every day. So it's about finding peace Uh, I wonder if you can talk to us about finding peace and whether, you know, because you say, uh, you know, most people recoil from the word forgiveness. They see forgiveness as a grace you give to someone who's hurt you. Um, But what the fuck? They don't want to give us something so costly to someone who is undeserving. So the self-talk is that SOB deserves an ass kicking, not my forgiveness. So I just want everyone to, the listeners, to get an idea of how real this book is. It's really the kinds of things that, for better or worse, we're actually saying to ourselves. So, Jody, back to you. Finding peace. How do we go about doing that? <laughs> and I would say that chapter is probably the most emotionally raw or, or, or potentially emotionally explosive for people, depending where they are in processing what happened to them. But there was a a, a brief video that I came across on YouTube by a, an Episcopal priest who was talking about forgiveness as um, you are taking bolt cutters and you're cutting the connection between you and the person who hurt you. And so, again, I use the term finding peace, but finding peace about a hurt from the past that somebody else has inflicted upon you is cutting the connection, cutting the bolt it's not something you're giving that other person. It's something that you're giving yourself. And I just recently got asked a question, what is my favorite exercise in the book? And indeed, it's from that chapter. And it, because I feel like um, it, it can be transformative. And, and how you do that is making a complete inventory 
of all the things that you need to find peace around. And the reason why I feel like it is such a significant exercise is it's taking time to take the jumbled up, sort of kinked up hurt and pain and put it into words, put it into something coherent and putting it down on paper and validating it and and honoring it that this was your experience. Even if the other person didn't mean necessarily to inflict that on you, that's your experience of it and sitting with it. And the, another way, again, I, I always have things that phrases, I think that stick with people, as I say, it's kind of like an emotional enema. You're getting it all out. And then when you're done, it's super weird. I I can't sort of explain it all, but you feel lighter just having gotten it out. And it's Mm -hmm. a process. It's a journey. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the quote, holding on to resentment is like taking a poison pill and expecting the transgressor to suffer. Um, you're the one that suffers, you know, we're the one that suffers. These hurts from childhood, the slights and wounds, um, they can do us in if we let them. And I, uh, I think that right now you've, you've helped us emerge stronger with f- finding peace. And, you know, even if you don't write this inventory down, I love the idea of inventorying and maybe you just put it into a voice note. Maybe you just say it out loud. Maybe it's the first time you've said it out loud. Uh, and then, you know, it's private if you want it to remain private and you can, you know, deal with it. Uh, the Move On Motherfucker book uh, is a priceless. It's enchanting. Of course, even you quoted the Episcopal priest, um, you know, laughter is the laughter of the gods. I mean, it's 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 true. I mean, there there is no one that's meant to take themselves completely seriously. We have just a couple minutes left, sadly, um, moving through the past denial, self-criticism, self-sabotage, and shame, and whatever else brings you down and tears you up. That's what Jody Echabelry Hunt has addressed in this book. It comes out uh, November 3rd from New Harbinger Books. It's called Move On, Motherfucker. I highly recommend it. In this couple of minutes left, Jody, any last words? I really appreciate the opportunity to share with folks, to talk with you. But I think life is too short to not grant yourself permission to be okay as you are. And, and be as happy as, as you can be. And I think that comes back to giving yourself permission to own your own shit show. Love it. Thank you, Jody, for dropping in. We're trying as hard as we can to thrive. And sometimes we just have to own our own shit show, not take ourselves too seriously, lighten up and see ourselves as a ball of silly putty that we can still mold because laughter is medicine. Thank you to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, our producer, Robert Cialini. And most of all, to you, our listeners, stay safe, Shana Tova, and thank you for dropping in. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then. 